Shut up and sit down. What's up, guys? Uh, third try. Hopefully, will be a charm on this. So far, I've dropped my phone. The microphone's not been working, but I think we've got it all checked out now. Um, welcome back to the show. This is episode 78 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. I'm Daryl. I'm your host. And as always, good to have you here and good to be back. Um, Wednesday evening. Uh, and I said if we got the chance, we'd jump back on the mic, uh, do another show before the end of the week. And it just so happens that uh, one of my uh, personal training clients, uh, we did the session, got through that, you know, pretty good time and, uh, and had a had a few minutes at the end of the day. So I want to knock something out. You guys will get this on Thursday, most likely, or late tonight. Um, but so much has happened since Monday. And I said a long time ago, I could do one of these probably every day, the way the news cycles are, you know, just in and out, in and out, new story gone, new story gone, you know. But there's been some developments in, you know, some pretty big situations, incidents, whatever you like, whether it's the Mueller investigation, whether it's new developments in the Smollett case in Chicago, you know, we've got MMA news to report, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, so I'm glad that we got the opportunity to do this tonight and, uh, and get another show out to you guys before the weekend, because I don't think we'll have a chance to do three, but it'd be great if we did. Let's see how things transpire. Uh, I think... <clears throat> It's unlikely, but we'll try. Anyways, uh, lots to talk about, guys. Lots to talk about. Uh, have you guys... Uh, let me start with some Netflix business first and foremost, okay? Um, first off, can we address just how much shit content is on Netflix? I mean, it is literally just a... Like a dollar store. It's like a pound shop of content sometimes. Um, but there are in that vast library of content, some real nuggets that are fantastic. And I've been watching, um, it's called Love, Death, and Robots. I don't know if you guys have checked this out yet or not, um, but effectively it's an anthology series. I think there's about 12 or 15 shows, something like that. And they're all about 10 minutes long, 15 minutes long. And they're animated different types of animation, but they're all sort of post-apocalyptic, sci-fi, kind of horror, what would you call it, like adult comic kind of stylish animation. I guess that's kind of how you'd frame the stories. Um, but guys, just check it out. I mean, the whole thing, however many episodes there are, it's about four hours, but I'm not I'm about halfway through, and some of the stories are so creative and so imaginative and so graphic and so outlandish and just surreal, like really cool, cool stuff. Um, my wife looks at me sideways when, when I put it on the other day, so I was like, oh, this is one I'm going to have to watch when I'm on my own. But uh, but if you're into, oh, God, what's, what's like it? It's kind of got a touch of Black Mirror to it in an animated kind of way it's got 
some sort of, it's kind of got an Inception vibe to it. It's sort of, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It's very futuristic. Um, like the one, for instance, is uh, these guys are on a, on a spaceship and they get sucked into like a hyperdrive and they end up like a hundred light years off course or something like that. And the pilot sees at the docking station this woman that he used to be in a relationship with. He's like, what the fuck are you doing here? It's all very strange. They end up hooking up. Very graphic sex scenes, by the way, in these episodes. Um, you know, from especially from an animation point of view, it's just, you know, it's, it, it adds kind of a strange element to it. But um, anyways, they hook up and then she basically tells him that like hundreds of years have passed and that he couldn't go back to earth and da, 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 da. Anyways, long story short, the episode transpires. He's on an alien that's run by spiders and he's like 200 years old. I think he's been fucking the spider. I don't know. Um, but it's just like, then the spider comes out of nowhere. And as it, as it emerges from the shadows, it's got like this woman's silhouette, but then it comes out and I think it just eats him. Um, but it's, I guess, or, or it looks after him. I'm not sure, but check it out. Cause it's weird as fuck, but it's awesome. And, uh, not all the episodes are great, but again, just like the Netflix library, there's some real gems in there. There's one called the chase. It's quite cool. Um, and I'm on one called Zima Blue or something like that. If you can hear that crying in the background, that's my uh, food obsessed cat who knows when his lunch is to the minute. And it's currently, it's currently half an hour away from dinner time. And you can hear him going ape shit. Um, <laughs> anyways, check that out. That's definitely a recommend from uh, uh, the quiet part loud. And I think we might change our handle on Twitter to uh, QPL. Uh, might be, I don't know, might be better. I'm not sure. I'm thinking about it. But anyways, now on to one that you don't want to, that you want to just pass over. Probably just, just don't even make eye contact with it because it's such a waste of time. I mean, the show is an hour. I got 11 minutes in and I was like, I am out. It's so bad. And what I'm talking about is Amy Schumer's uh, stand-up special that's recently come onto Netflix. And I mean, <clears throat> when I say it's bad, I had no... The first reaction I had after pressing play, right? Because I went into it and I was like... I'm not going to expect too much out of this. So, you know, if I get a couple good jokes in there, it'd be great. Um, let's see what, let's see what she does. Right. Because notorious like rumors and stuff about how she steals material. And she did that when she had her show and whether it was the writers that were doing it or, you know, done accidentally, whatever. Um, she's not looked that favorable in the comedy world. Let's just put it that way. Um, Anyways, I put it on and I did, I wasn't expecting much, but I was like, let's give it a go. And it was, it was horrendous. Not one thing she said was funny. And, and, and okay, maybe, maybe she drastically turned it around after minute uh, 12. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. But if the opening 10 minutes was anything to go by and you'd think you'd want to come out with a bang, right? 
if the opening 10 minutes is anything to go by, it is the worst comedy special I think I've ever seen. And I try to watch most of them because I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy. And she just does not... She's... I don't know. Like, what do I say? I can't say she's not a comic because she is a comic, right? But the material is just so nothing like she'll make a joke but it's not a joke it's just her saying something and then not having an ending to the sentence but she's banking on two things one she doesn't need to um because her crowd her audience will finish it with laughter because they'll get the premise or whatever the premise is trying to be um And she feels it like that. Um, and she'll like make some stupid face. And it's just like those two things, I just, I, I just, I don't know. There's just nothing there. There's no substance in her jokes, in her material. There's nothing. Like she spent, she spent the first, I think probably eight of the first 10 minutes talking about her pregnancy and then her big close before she moved on to uh, her marriage was... Uh, her pulling her dress up and showing the crowd her uh, her pregnant belly and having tape over her belly button because it was distending or whatever. I, I, I Like, whatever, misshapen or whatever. But that was her, like, big thing. And, and she was, like, like, the crowd was kind of clapping, but they were kind of clapping because they thought they had to rather than because they wanted to. Even the laughs up to that point were a bit labored and again maybe she came out of the gate slow i don't know but if the first 10 minutes is anything indicative of how the remaining 50 went i'm glad i pressed stop and backed up when i uh when i did because it was it was dreadful it was dreadful um So give it give it a miss. <laughs> give it a miss is my point there. Um, yeah, just just nothing. And again, I only watched 10 minutes, so maybe I'm unfairly judging, but there was uh, there was very little of anything worth listening to. Um, you know, there was a few crotch grabs, you know, very, you know, she's so progressive, like it's just like she's like, oh, cool with being like overweight and stuff. Like, you know, like that's cool. Like, is it cool? Like you're like, and I know I'll get shit for this because it's like, well, oh, well, just because she's being this way, you wouldn't say that if a man was doing it. Well, unnecessarily, yeah, I would. But she's like unnecessarily like crude. And this is coming from me. She's, she's unnecessarily crude. Like, she, I don't know. I can't even think of the example that was on last night. But I was like, why would she even... What, that doesn't fit. Like, she doesn't need to do that. Um, she, and, like, sometimes she's just going for kind of shock value rather than substance in the material, if that makes sense. I don't know. Maybe I'm just bitching and being a whiny little, uh, you know, a whiny little dick. Uh, but that's what I thought. And I think from a recommendation point of view... Uh, to a give it a miss point of view, those are the two that stand out for me. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about the second uh, season of OA. Um, I haven't gotten into it yet. We'll see. We'll see. 
I mean, I've, I thought the first season was really, really good, but again, I'm hearing, I'm hearing very good things about season two, uh, but when I get around to it, I'll, I'll check it out. So, um, so, so check out love, uh, what's it called? Uh, love, death and robots. Definitely check that out. Um, and don't waste an hour of your time on Amy Schumer because it is just that. Um, right. What else is going on? What else is going on? So, I had some work done on my house uh, recently and a two-day job turned into a four-day job which just wrapped up this morning and if I if I'm paying somebody to do something I expect it to be done you know as good as it can be and I knew from the first day that I'd hired the wrong person. One, he was a little older than I'd, I'd anticipated. Uh, and two, he just, he left his personality in 1973. Um, his work rate was, was that of a, a three-toed sloth. Let's put it that way. Um, he basically came with the wardrobe ready to just assemble because he'd spent the last three weeks measuring it and building it in his warehouse. So he starts to install it and within an hour he's like, I've measured this wrong. <laughs> so he makes some corrections, he continues to install it and four and a half, five hours into it, he's like, oh, I've put this piece on wrong. Everything has to come out. And at this point, I'm lo I'm starting to lose my shit. And I've got dogs in the house. I've got cats in the house. I've got a wife in the house. I'm trying to work in the house. You know what I mean? Like, there's tons of shit going on. And he's just pottering around. And at one point, I saw him uh, as I was working from my desk. I saw him um, just staring at the wardrobe for a good... I don't know, maybe 60 seconds, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, but a good minute. And then he just stopped and went and did something else. It was just, it was, it was absolute insanity for the past sort of week. And, uh, and it's finally wrapped up. And to be fair, the job he's left is pretty good. Um, but certainly not the attention to detail that, you know, you would expect from, a custom-built piece of furniture. Uh, so, I don't even know why I bring this up other than just to say, you know, check references if you're getting somebody into your house to do any sort of work. You know, make sure you know who's coming through your front door. I made I made a bit of an oversight here and probably should have went with somebody else that I, that I saw first, but I didn't. This guy promised me he could do it better, more effectively, and give me a better price on it. So I went with him, and that was a fucking mistake. So, you know, lesson learned. But I guess the reason I brought this up was because I was, on day three, I, I did kind of lose it. And I said to him, I said, what's taking so long here? 
Like, when are we going to, what is your timeline? Because you've told me, you've told me this is a two-day job. We are now almost at the end of day three, and it still looks like there's a ton of work to be done. And I took a bit of a strip off this guy, not not terrible. I wasn't yelling at him. I was just speaking very kind of matter of factly. And I'm like, you know, people are, I'm like, my wife is stressed. The dogs are stressed. The cats are stressed. I'm trying to work. You know, there's scraping and drilling going on in the background and, you know, what have you. And I'm just like, I just want to wrap it up. I want to find out what the timeline is. I want to find out, you know, when we can, when we can, sort of part ways and you can get out of my fucking house basically um and I said listen you know everybody's stressed dude I'm like we just want to get this wrapped up and it seems like it's taking unnecessarily longer than had been originally planned and quoted and his response to me was yeah I think I'm probably the most stressed of everybody I'm like this is his response to me I'm like what are you talking about course not 15 minutes later he takes a call uh from his wife saying yep uh, appointment is still on uh da, 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 da. and i i was like is everything okay i'm like do you need to go like you know i'm like is that an important call because it seemed pretty serious he's like oh it's just my wife uh who has to go to one of the hospitals in the city of london um and we need to just we were just talking about how to get her guide dog there and then within, you know, two or three milliseconds, I feel like the biggest piece of shit on the planet. Because maybe this is contributing to why he's taking so long. He's got other things on his mind. He's got a sick wife who's seemingly blind and has a guide dog. And I just, I feel terrible. I feel terrible. So for day four... um. I'm making him cups of tea. I'm like, you know, I'm being his friend. I gave him some seeds that I've planted, some tomato seeds from my garden. And I've been, I was like, here, try growing these. And, you know, maybe you can make your wife a salad. <laughs> just brutal, brutal type of makeup shit. And I was just like, oh, man. But on reflection, I'm like, well, no, you were hired to do a job. I'm sorry that you have personal circumstances that are affecting your performance. And... You know, I feel for you on that. But also, I'm paying you to do a job. And if the circumstances in your personal life <coughs> prohibit you from being able to do that job efficiently and effectively, then perhaps you shouldn't have done it. Perhaps you should have said, no, I'm not in a position where I can take this work on at the moment, but I will be in, you know, a couple months time. Whatever. So stepping back on it I was like well actually I don't feel that bad because I didn't really do anything you know terrible other than say hey what's taking so fucking long but still that that piece of me was like fuck man this guy's got stuff going on you know I can imagine how stressful his life is he's a bit of an older guy and I just I felt bad I felt I felt like I'd been been too harsh with him and I guess I don't know that's all I really I just felt bad about it Maybe I shouldn't have taken a strip off the guy the way I did, um, even though, in my opinion, it wasn't that bad. But, you know, my opinion versus <laughs> what's actually being received by the 
person on the other end of it are oftentimes two different things. Uh, you know, it's one of the things I'm trying to work on and have been working on for some time, but never mind. That's getting into a psychiatry session and uh, that's not what we're here to do. But I just want to tell you guys, I felt bad, but the work's now done and my house is looking a lot better. So there you go. And I gave the guy some seeds, so hopefully he'll grow some nice tomatoes and, you know, all is well. I'll still pay him, you know, he'll still get paid and everything will be fine. So um, I just want to say that, yeah, it just, it just made me feel bad. And, uh, and maybe I should have just been a little bit more patient with him. You know, it can never, it can never be a bad thing to be, you know, just a little bit more patient until obviously you're pushed over the edge. But that wasn't the case here. I was just frustrated by the circumstances. That was all. So anyways, never mind. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Jeez, this is a bit of a random one, huh? Um, me talking about all my stuff, there is actually, you know, things going on that that I wanted to talk about. And sorry if the swishing and the water drinking is bothering you guys on the mic, but I'm thirsty as hell because I've been working out like a beast. Um, there are some things that I wanted to talk about, and they've been recent developments over the last sort of 48 hours, which are quite, quite, quite crazy, actually. Um, so I don't know which one to talk about first. Obviously, there's the Conor McGregor thing. So Conor McGregor's retired from mixed martial arts, and he's done so at... Some would say the top of his career. I would say slightly past the top of his career uh, in terms of fighting. But I think just on the, you know, first couple of holes of his career in terms of, you know, the grand scheme of what he's going to do as a businessman. But he's basically retiring. And I put retiring in quotes because of what I think he's doing as he has done for, you know, a big portion of his career is following the Floyd Mayweather uh, protocol and business plan and sort of, you know, career plan which is, you know, do your fighting, go out on top, although, you know, he's had a couple of knocks on his record, including one to Floyd Mayweather, but nevertheless, you know, that his his star power mixed with his, you know, performances and his brash sort of uh, marketing ability and, 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 and ability to speak off the cuff in such a charismatic way, you know, it, it really, he's one of the biggest sports stars in the world, no doubt about it. And him walking away... <coughs> is not him walking away. I, in my personal opinion, what he's doing is he's walking away until a fight that is worth, you know, 50 to 100 plus million on the purse and then all the promotional opportunities around it benefit him in such a way where he says, yeah, I'll do that. You know, like Floyd did when he took the Connor fight on. You know, he's like, I'm going to make 300 million from this fight. So of course I'm going to do it. It's going to be, you know, 10 rounds of easy work. And, you know, I got sucked into the hype because I'm an MMA guy. And I wanted Connor to knock his fucking block off because one, I don't like Floyd as a person. But, you know, you always like to see your side of the of the sport win whenever that's an opportunity. And this was a high profile thing. Did I really, truly in my heart of hearts think that Conor McGregor was going to beat Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match? Definitely not. But I bought a fucking t-shirt that had Floyd on the ground knocked out and Conor holding two belts above his head, you know? So I like to play the game as well. And I like to make wild, wild uh, predictions. And sometimes you fall flat on your fucking face. One thing I know for sure is I should never bet because anytime I bet, even a sure thing is destined to fail. So... If you're ever in a situation where we're together and we're both gambling, pick the other thing that I've picked because it, it will guaranteed win. You know, it's one of those. But um, so he's retiring 
and he's retiring with, you know, 100, 200 million dollars in the bank. God knows how much he spent, but, you know, we know he's made a shit ton of cash in his career. And now he's launched uh, proper, proper 12 Whiskey, you know, which is going global and apparently selling out, you know, all over the place. And that's a credit to his star power and his marketing ability, you know, and the fan following that he's, you know, developed and created over the past you know, what call it five years, six years. I mean, the, to call it a meteoric rise would be a massive understatement. This guy was on welfare, you know, seven years ago, you know, and he is a savage Irishman from, you know, not a great part of that country. You know, he's, he's just a, he's a savage. And so obviously on the day of his retirement comes new, uh, new interest in the sexual assault case in Ireland that he's been accused of um, and kind of reignited some front page headlines around that. But he's gone in, he's answered questions, he's been released and the, I guess the investigation continues, but you know, we'll see how that develops, but it's just fucking the whore media, you know, taking the opportunity to shit on somebody no matter what. You know, whenever there's an opportunity, even if that's old news, even if that stuff is still going on, but there's no new developments, they never miss an opportunity to shit on somebody, you know? And uh, yeah, Connor's fucked up. Connor's a savage, but he's also, you know, uh, a, a, a crazy successful businessman who's 30 years old, who has basically gotten into the fight game, changed it forever. For all other fighters that are to come, will benefit because of who Conor McGregor was, what he did for the sport, and how he how he changed the game in favor of the fighters, giving power to the fighters to say, "You are your own machine. Go ahead and utilize that machine and put yourself in a position of power, so that the people around you that run the organization or run the sport can't tell you what to do. You want to get into a position where you've got the power." of promotion, of marketing, of calling your own shots, picking your own fights, getting the cards in your favor. And that's what Connor figured out how to do. And he did it through, like I said, charismatic charismatic marketing. He did it through a wild personality. He did it from a, you know, give no fucks attitude about who he fights or, you know, when he fights. And, you know, I think one of the biggest credits to Connor McGregor <coughs> And I'm saying this like a eulogy, but he will definitely fight again, in my opinion. Uh, one of the greatest credits to his character was how he lost. And the fact that he lost with grace and humility and shook it off and moved on. Didn't dwell on it. Didn't make excuses. He just took it, dealt with the lumps, moved on kept developing, kept doing business, and had a mogul mindset. And that has to be admired. Now, if he's raped somebody, obviously he's a piece of shit. And, you know, everything that I've just said will, will absolutely count for fuck all, you know. But let's cross that bridge when it comes to it. For now, we focus on his retirement. We focus on the career that he's had, the career that he's going to have and the potential of seeing him again against some big names if the money and the time is right. So it's uh, it was an interesting it was an interesting day. Uh, you know, 
Lots of uh, people sending uh, good wishes for how he has changed the game and what he's done for fighters. And, you know, Connor himself said it when he first got started. When he first got into the UFC, he said, uh, what did he say? He said, um, fuck people up, make money and get out or something like that. Right? Like he was never in this for a long time. But I think he will fight again if the stars align and the right people there, the right money is there, all of that stuff, right? He's taking the Floyd path now. So anyways, if he is retired, congratulations, but uh, I think we'll see him again. Um, there's some MMA stuff coming up, but I think we'll do something separate for that. Um, I wanted to talk about the Jussie Smollett situation that's transpired over the last, uh, well, probably 36 hours or, well, let's call it two days, right? It's more like 36 hours, I think, but... Uh, if you haven't seen it, the district attorney of Chicago has dropped all the charges against Jesse Smollett, and he has been, I guess, exonerated and let go. Um, now, this one for me is is very curious because. You've had the uh, chief of police from Chicago and you've had the mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel, both come out and say that this is a whitewashing of justice effectively. Like this is this is no kind of justice because uh, the uh, who was it? The U.S. Who was it? The Justice Department. I think it was the Justice Department uh, indicted him, gave him 12 indictment or 13 indictment counts. Um Jussie I'm talking about right they indicted him on 13 counts of like uh faking a hate crime and shit like that right so all those charges have been dropped so what does that mean well that means that well does that mean that he's not committed the crime so he didn't fake a hate crime because if the charges are dropped that's what it would sign signify, right? So are we saying that he was attacked? And if so, is there going to be an investigation into who attacked him? Or what's going on? Because the problem with the information that I've seen so far is from Jussie's lawyer who said the, you know, she basically said the square root of fuck all. And all she said was, you know, we had a team of lawyers and we we told the prosecution this, that, and the other thing. Literally, that's what she said, this, that, and the other thing. She didn't say anything about the actual content of what she said. Um, and we convinced them that uh, it would be best to drop all the charges. So they did. And Don Lemon, who interviewed this woman on CNN last night, uh, didn't ask why didn't ask what the reason was and when it finally came out what had happened is they've done some confidentiality clause or some uh some gag clause or something like that it's sealed the reason he had these charges dropped is sealed but the mayor of chicago indicated something about the hate crime law uh, i think it's called michael's law or something like that that they used against like they basically 
they used the law in a way that it wasn't necessarily intended to to get these charges dropped. Now, I don't know what that means because I'm not a lawyer, um, but there's not much information about it right now. Um, if there is more information about it, then obviously the next time we're on the mic, we'll clarify everything. But I am calling horseshit on this entire scenario because either documents weren't signed and notarized or whatever, you know, during the arrest process or the investigation process, or like he wasn't read his Miranda rights, or, you know, maybe he's saying, actually, I'm not a gay man. So, uh, so the Michael's law wouldn't apply or something like that. I'm not sure. I'm totally speculating, but I'm calling bullshit because this doesn't pass the smell test. When you've got the mayor of Chicago and the chief of police of Chicago coming out and saying, this does not hold up. We stand behind our investigation. We stand behind the officers that have done the investigation and we stand by the indictments that were handed out by the Justice Department. Something else is going on and I would like to know what the fuck that is because that's it smells real nasty to me. It smells dirty as fuck to me. Um, and, I, and I refer back to what I said initially. If all the charges are dropped, that means he did not fake a hate crime. He did not pay two big black dudes who are extras on Empire to fake this hate crime, to fake a beating. He did not walk into a police station with a noose around his head and a fake cut on his face holding a Subway sandwich and saying he was attacked and had bleach poured on him <coughs> and was called the N-word and, you know, MAGA for life motherfucker or whatever he said on his, you know, uh, Gail Winters interview that he did, you know, all of this is, all of this never happened or he didn't fake this happening or he didn't fake this happening and it did happen. And again, if it did happen, is there going to be an investigation into the people that really did it? Because I thought we know, I thought we knew who really did it. I thought those two, uh, those two brothers um, from, from Empire were the ones that did it. I thought they confessed. So what the hell is going on? You know? I don't like when you see obvious miscarriages of justice and nobody's demanding what, like, real information out of it. That's not the public, that's not how the public discourse should be. We should be demanding answers. And I know this is in America and I'm in the UK. It's, a, it's, you know, it's not my, you know, stay in your fucking lane, right? That sort of thing. But we gotta, we gotta put a spotlight on things like this. You know, we got to put a spotlight on, you know, the fact that all of these MPs now who turned down this deal that Theresa May has for Brexit are going to now vote for it. When you've got millions of people screaming that they don't want this, millions of people saying, get us out of Brexit, give us another vote, put it to the people. They turned that down. That petition, they turned it down. They said, no, nope, we're not going to hear it. We're not going to entertain this. They're fucking us, people. They're absolutely killing us. And you're going to vote for them again. I mean, the fact is, like, Theresa May is going to be out the door, right? 
And on the front page of the paper this morning, there was like five people, Amber Rudd, uh, I think it was Michael Gove, Boris Johnson, uh, Philip Hammond, and someone else. And it was like, basically, here's your motley crew of new candidates for prime minister. And I'm just like, well, you can expect exactly the same garbage going forward. We are in a sort of a political crossroads where I think things need to be straightened out a little bit because they're all way too crooked right now. They're all twisted around right now. And until we hold people accountable, they'll never change the behavior. Like Matthew Pennycook, who represents Greenwich, put on Twitter yesterday, I'll vote for a second referendum if there's no other option on the table. Like, he's a cuck. He is not representative of this community. My cat agrees vehemently, as you can hear, because now it's really dinner time. And he's not going to stop until I feed him. But these politicians, man, they don't act like you, they don't look like you, they don't speak like you, and they don't think like you. There's always a game at stake. They're never just working in your favor. Something like 20,000 people signed that thing, uh, signed that petition in Greenwich alone. Like, it's, it's insane. And they just won't listen. And they're going to walk us towards the cliff. They're walking us there. And when they have this vote, it might pass. And that is going to be a sad state of affairs. Because they think... They think that... They think that Britain is like 1960s Britain, 1950s Britain, like some industrial powerhouse. It's not. It's not anymore. It's not a tech powerhouse. It's a financial hub where money laundering runs the day. There's so much Chinese and Russian investment in London into the property market. That's effectively what's keeping this city buoyant. You know? Of course, it's got the markets here and the banks and stuff, you know, but what's going to happen after Brexit? We're not the powerhouse that we used to be. We're not. We are a great nation, for sure. I love the United Kingdom, but these politicians are ripping it. They're ripping it to shreds. And nothing is going to get better especially not in the short term, if this vote gets passed. And if your MP votes for this bullshit deal, by the way, how many of you out there know what this deal is? And that is exactly my point. What's this deal? What do you get out of this? Why is it good for you? Why is it bad for you? That's all I'm saying. They're just like, we'll have a vote on this. We'll have a vote on this. And the people are like, you guys keep fucking this up. We want a second vote. We want to tell you what we want. And they're like, nope. And what are you going to do about it? Nothing. You're going to sit there and you're going to take it. Because that's society. Nobody's got time to stand up and 
protest and complain. Oh, really? What about the million people? Well, it wasn't a million people, was it? Final count was like 300,000, 400,000. Still a lot of people, but it ain't a million. Some people will get out there. Some people will speak up. But nobody really speaks up. I mean, I'm trying to. You know, in between all the other things that I do, I try to. I try to outline my disdain for the political system, the reform that we need. And the type of people that can do it. But we definitely need that to happen because it's getting crazy now. And... You know, you use the word crazy and you slide on right across the border, right across the ocean, I just say, and we're back to Washington, D.C. There we go, right? We're transatlantic in this motherfucker right now, right? We're going back to Trump. We're going back to the Mueller report. And this is exactly what I said, right? This is an opportunity to squash this and move on. But neither side is prepared to do that. And in the last 24 hours, Trump has called this a total and complete exoneration, which it was specifically written in the report that it was not an exoneration. So there's questions over William Barr's political um, political leanings and how that affected such a quick turnaround and decision. There's now been the decision that the White House will get to review this report before the public gets to see it and redact it as they see necessary, which is a problem. Democrats are, you know, complaining and whining about, you know, all the things that are wrong with this report. And now they don't like Robert Mueller all of a sudden. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, they're just giving Trump ammo for 2020, in my opinion. Um, but that said, Trump is doing everything he can not to be, a, not to be uh, successful next year because... Well, in my opinion, that's what he's doing. He's he's trying not to be successful, but in his eyes and in the eyes of his base, I'm sure he's being very successful and very compelling. Um, you know, but by him sort of calling for, coming calling some of the news reports treasonous, I mean, he is doubling down immediately on his hate for the press. Watch the exploitation of this report in the coming weeks where... He will do public speaking and he will do rallies and he will call the press the enemy of the people. I told you so. They're out to get me, guys. They're out to get me. If you think it was bad on these reporters and these journalists before, and don't get me wrong, a lot of them make their own bed. So fucking sleep in it, right? But journalists don't deserve to get assaulted by some scumbag at a Trump rally just because they're holding a camera and just because Trump is saying, you know, the press are liars, the failing New York Times, you know, fake news this and fake news that. But rather than being a stand-up guy, rather than being a man of integrity and character to say, listen, people get it wrong, people, they fucked with me and I told you, you know, he could have been real stand-up about it. I'm not saying lay down for these pricks because, you know, the media, the mainstream especially are, you know, they're worthless in my opinion. But I still don't want any of them harmed. That's a different thing altogether. But he could have been a man of integrity and character and said, listen, you know, let, let's bygones be bygones. I told you this was bullshit. Now we have evidence of it. 
but he's doubled down on it. He's going to double down on how much he hates them, how much they're after him. He's already started doing it by calling these acts, like I said, treasonous and, you know, contemptuous, evil reporters. And he wants to appoint a special counsel with Lindsey Graham. They want a special counsel now to investigate some of these negative reports. It's like, are you kidding me? So you are truly going to now go after freedom of the press as well. Okay, let's see how that goes. You know, so he's... Even when he's got things in his favor, he's doing everything to just seem like a first-class asshole and just some monster that just doesn't get it. So investigations continue, I think, on on uh, on the Democratic side, on the House, uh, in, in Congress. Um, certainly the Southern District um, of New York will continue their investigation. These are, you know, as I said, sort of separate matters that have tailed off the Mueller investigation. But... <clears throat> nobody's done with this by a long shot. You know, Democrats have doubled down saying we need to see the report immediately. We're going to continue these investigations, etc. And it's just, okay, great. So again, like Brexit, two years spent, three years spent, and absolutely nothing at the end of it. I don't know what Brexiteers are expecting after Brexit happens. Some like, some like veil to be lifted these clouds depart and for you know the uk to be some amazingly prosperous island that you know is basked in the golden glow of sunshine like what do you expect we have no trade deals like we've got a couple but like the the us aren't going to help us out we can't sign we can't linch on to the one with japan that the EU's just signed. We're gonna have to do our own. Oh, we got the Nordics signed. That's worth thirty billion. Wicked. Like this is where we're at with things. And again, anybody listening, do you know what's in the Brexit deal at the moment? The MPs are about to vote for that they voted against twice. Some of them. I'll wait. The answer is no. You probably don't. But if you do, fantastic. Let the rest of us know. <coughs> So it's a bit of a shit show. And just like that, we've gone nowhere. Just like that, we've been on a hamster wheel for the past, you know, 36 months or so. This is politics. This is society. This is media. This is why you have to do you, man, and just stay on your track. As long as you're doing you and you stay within, you know, just stay doing, doing you, man. Just do you. And that's why I get up every morning and I work out like a goddamn savage. That's why I try to stay in my bubble and then only poke my head out when I come and talk to you guys. Um, no, I stay on, I stay in tune with these things because you have to know about these things. In my opinion, it's important. You know? It's like the Jussie Smollett thing that we were just talking about, right? If all the charges are dropped... Then what exactly happened? Are they say or what are they saying happened? Or more importantly, what are they saying didn't happen? You know, I think I mentioned this on the last show. It's like that. Te it's like the um, it's like the mass shooter from Vegas. Like what happened with that? Like that's just gone. We just don't hear anything else about that. He was stockpiling weapons in a hotel room for a week. Murdered like 53 people. You just don't hear about it. 50 people get murdered in New Zealand and the laws change. You know? 
It's just insane. Just be aware of what you're listening, but do you. As long as you stay focused on your path, everything else can just kind of fly by and you can pay attention to it as you want to. Found out Krispy Kreme is owned by Nazis. So now it's evil for you in two ways. <laughs> but apparently the family who also own, uh, they also own Pret-a-Manger, which is a, obviously a chain here in the UK. Anybody listening from the UK knows that, but anybody listening abroad probably doesn't know that. It's like a, uh, it's like a sandwich drop-in spot. You can get some coffee in there, get some sandwiches, uh, you know, get some fruit cups, get some yogurt, granola, whatever you need, right? That sort of thing. Some baguettes. Well, this family, they own that too. <laughs> oh, they also own uh, Panera Bread as well. Well, they found out that their family used to be Nazis, but not only that, they used to have, um, like, they actually, like, contributed, like, actively in the Holocaust. So they've donated, like, 11 million to say sorry. That's dark, right? Imagine you found out your great-great-granddad was, like, incinerating Jewish people in the Holocaust. That would be dark. That's some dark shit. But if you see these pair, I'm not saying anything about anything, but if you see the pair of people that own uh, Krispy Kreme and Pret and uh, Panera Bread, you kind of have an inclination, if you know what I mean. You kind of have an inclination that, yeah, maybe there's some... I mean, they look like they probably got a few kids locked up in the basement. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> there's some creepy looking motherfuckers. I'm not going to lie. It's, uh, yeah, it's... It's a sad state of affairs, huh? That was only, what, 60 years ago? Pretty nuts. Pretty nuts. But then, you know... Look what's happening in Israel with uh, the Palestinians leading up to the elections in Israel where Benjamin Netanyahu is being indicted for corruption. And now there's a war escalating. And now Trump has said, oh, they're the rightful um, occupants of whatever the area is in Gaza. I mean, Jesus Christ. I said it's a genocide. It's not. It's an ethnic cleansing. It's even worse than that. And they all they do is blame it on Hamas. And are Hamas horrible? Yes, they are. Are the reports of Hamas being horrible to the Palestinian people true? Probably, because they're some horrible bastards. But that still does not excuse what Israel's doing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. Like I said, this is an ethnic cleansing of the Palestinian people. Slow, systematic. You know, it's like what's going on in Crimea now. In Crimea, where Russia invaded a few years back, there are no more Ukrainian-taught schools, Ukrainian-language-taught schools. Everything is taught in Russian. There's an ethnic cleansing going on there as well. But we don't pay attention outside our borders. Right? Very rarely do we pay attention outside of our immediate circumference at any one time. But when you do, you notice some things. And when you notice some things, hopefully that helps you with perspective. 
And with perspective comes appreciation. And with appreciation comes hopefully calm. And if you're calm, then you can be compassionate. And compassion is definitely the prescription for the day, I think. So be good to each other. And we'll see you next week. But this has been episode 78 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. I'm your host, Daryl. Thanks for listening. Uh, Check us out on iTunes. Check us out on Spotify. Check us out on SoundCloud. Um, And let us know what you think, guys. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. And I hope you guys liked uh, today's episode. Kind of an abrupt end there, right? Just ending on that that little rant about what's happening in Gaza and Israel. But never mind. Um, We'll be back soon. Uh, hopefully before the week's out, but if not, certainly next week. Um, But until then, guys, all the best.